Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition and an in-season tournament edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets getting set to take on the Miami Heat. We'll talk about the game in the context of the season for a game preview, as well as in the context of the in-season tournament in which the Hornets are 1-0. We'll also give you a state-of-the-team type of outlook as we talk for the first time this season with one of our good friends here on the HHC. He is the sports director for Spectrum News 1 Charlotte and an avid amateur hockey player as well. The great Mike Salarte back with us again. Mike, first off, how's the hockey game going? And second, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us on the Hornets Hivecast. Well, I don't know about avid. I would just say old hockey player. <laughs> but the hockey game is great. We're having fun, and that's all that counts at this age. But just excited to see uh, – I'm excited to see this Hornets team – find their sea legs and it's you and I are going to talk for a while here so I mean it's just one of those one of those things that this this Hornets team right now seems to be idling as opposed to moving forward and and I think there's a big reason why but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that sounds like a plan let's get right into it this is our first conversation here on the podcast for this season but not our first conversation of the season at large. We talked a lot over training camp. We saw you in the building quite a bit. We always appreciate that and your great coverage there on Spectrum One, particularly on Sports Night, available nightly for all you Spectrum subscribers out there. Uh, But we talked about this team and and measuring it, I thought, appropriately, not against the record the season before where Charlotte was 27-55 and and riddled with injuries, but two seasons prior where it was an above 500 team on the precipice of the playoffs and, quite frankly, any other year would have been in to the postseason, not with a play-in tournament, just in with that kind of right. record. So we were measuring it against that. Unfortunately, to start this season, injuries and absences have once again been the major storyline. For me, it hasn't taken me away from being a believer. We're, we're too early in the season to switch gears and say, all right, this team's just not going to be able to overcome it. We're, we're nine games in. There's a whole lot of road out in front of the Hornets, 73 games left to play in the regular season. But as your attitude changed in terms of looking at this squad and saying, hey, the measuring stick should be a 500 or better team. No, my, my attitude has not changed in that regard. But, man, we need, to, we need to get some exterminators around Spectrum Center and kill off all those injury bugs. Look, it's frustrating it's a frustrating time being a Charlotte sports fan right now. I mean, the Panthers are obviously struggling. And this Hornets team, with Brandon Miller coming in, and, and he you know, was bitten by the bug uh, with his ankle in New York, you just want to see this team be healthy to, to have a chance, you know? And it's not like this is a bad team. You just When you've got so many guys that are banged up and so many guys that are out of the line, I mean, Terry Rozier is out of the lineup or has been out of the lineup with the groin injury, and it's – Losing him is more than just what he does on the floor in terms of stats. I mean, the guy's such a heart and soul player that, you know, you're looking at a team that's, you know, it's like a ship without a rudder. And, you know, he's, he's so vital to this group in terms of the intangibles. The good thing in the last couple of games is LaMelo has been just, you know, I remember the first four or five games of the season and Coach Clifford was saying, well, he hasn't found his rhythm. LaMelo's found his rhythm now. I mean, he's playing some terrific basketball, but you just want to see these guys be healthy. And I think team health and getting guys on the floor, and you can't do anything about injuries. They happen. I get it. But 
it's just man, it's just so frustrating to see this group be so banged up. It, you know, I mean, it started before the season with Book Knight having the surgery, and the new acquisition Frank has been banged up. Cody Martin's still fighting the knee issue. I mean, it's just. And you pile on Terry, now Brandon, it's, uh, it's just frustrating. But like you say, there's a long way to go. It's a long season. So my expectations and my uh, thoughts about this team have not changed. But I'd like to see them, see them have some success just to, you know, just to get pushing forward. Like I say, they were idling as opposed to driving forward. And they're idling because of the injuries again. No question about it. And a couple of things that you touched on. One, I'm with you. LaMelo Ball is playing some of the best ball of his career. If you look back at his all-star season, his averages were 20 points, six rebounds, and roughly seven assists. Uh, And right now in his last five games where he really seems to have found that stride, starting with the win on the road at Atlanta, he's averaging 26 points, almost six rebounds, and eight and a half assists, all while shooting over 40% from three, 50% from the floor, 80% from the foul. I mean, he has looked tremendous out there, but the injuries have certainly taken their toll, and it's resulted in in kind of a similar record, almost identical record, quite frankly, to last season. Last season, Charlotte basically won one out of every three games they played, and they were just completely decimated by injuries and absences all season long to the point that about half the rotation seemed to be out on any given night of the season. And what have we seen so far here this campaign? It hasn't been so much the starters, the starting group from the start of the season, we believe what would have been the starting group had everyone been available, has for the most part been around. Terry Rozier's injury definitely has had an impact, but it's been more the bench guys. Frank Nilakina not being available, Cody Martin not being available. You know, that has taken a toll, and the result is the same. About half of the normal eight to nine man rotation isn't there on an average night for the Hornets so far this season. And the end result is the Hornets are winning one out of every three games. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where there's nothing you can really do about it. You want those guys in your lineup. You want those guys to be a part of that rotation. So it's it puts an awful lot of pressure on the guys behind them to be ready to to answer the bell and to you know and and I think really that's the good the good thing about Ish Smith is he's a steady calming veteran voice back there to help the Nick Smiths of the world and to help those guys that are further down the bench to to kind of help get them ready and say look when Cliff looks at you and says get in there you got to be ready so yeah it, again it's one of those situations where you just want these guys to get healthy but it's going to be a minute before before the Hornets get back to full strength you know in, in terms of their like you say their rotation and 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 what Cliff wants to do so. You just kind of got to get through it right now, but maybe some help is on the way. Maybe some help is on the way. And one last point on this, you know, the difference between a young team like the Hornets and a team that's been in the playoffs, expects to be there and organizes their roster as such, like, say, the Knicks, who the Hornets saw the other night, Charlotte, the end of their bench, it's it's mostly rookies, which is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to draft young guys who have a chance for a high upside, develop them, get them in the system. You, you know, you don't want to look to the end of your bench, find five- or ten-year veterans like the Knicks have. Ryan Archidiacono, uh, Evan Fournier, Windler. Like, these are the kinds of guys that are waiting there at the end of the bench for opportunities. They don't have necessarily the super young guys that they're trying to develop because the Knicks are already uh, a playoff 
team based off last season. Their expectation is to win right now. And the Hornets' expectation is to win right now as well. But you don't want to hurt your potential future by not taking a talent like Nick Smith Jr. and developing him. You want that guy there on the bench. But that's the difference. If the Knicks were hit with the same injuries the Hornets have had, and they're not, but if they were, you're looking at an Evan Fournier who has played very good basketball over his career looking to plug in. One last thing here, and this is the hopeful part of this. Last year, it was all 82 games that Charlotte was really saddled with all of these injuries and absences. Right now, we're only looking nine games in. There is no, as of the taping this podcast, and we're knocking on my head because that's made of wood here, uh, that there won't be any prognosis of a longer-term injury for the Hornets at any point this season. So there is a lot of reason for optimism and hope that as soon as the team does get healthy, they can get back on track. And uh, right now, they're so early in the season, it wouldn't take more than maybe a good week to get them back to 500 or better. One area where they are already above 500 is the in-season tournament, and that tips off in the Queen City right here tonight. Hornets will host the Miami Heat. We're going to talk with Mike Solarte of Spectrum News 1 about the in-season tournament after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber here with Mike Salarte, the sports director for Spectrum News 1 in the Queen City, Charlotte. You can see him nightly on Sports Night. He does a tremendous job always with the coverage on the Hornets, but everything else going on in the world of sports in Charlotte and the great state of North Carolina. Mike, the in-season tournament is here for the first time ever in Spectrum Center. I just got a look at the court. It is glorious. Some of these things uh, look like they're out of a video game. This one looks really, really nice. In my humble uh, opinion, I do wear purple and teal colored glasses. Uh, but that you know, I, I think it looks great out there. Uh, this is going to be your first look at an in-season tournament game here in Charlotte. Hornets one and zero in East Group B. They'll take on another one and zero squad in Miami. What are your thoughts on the IST thus far, and what are your expectations for tonight? Well, I, my thoughts on the, the tournament itself is I get what the NBA is trying to do. I get what they're trying to do by placing added importance, building in this in-season tournament structure. They're, they're trying to make the league, I don't mean this in, insulting, in an insulting way, they're trying to make the league relevant while the NFL still has its grip on the sports fan. So I get the, the reasons behind it. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about a regular season game. We're still talking about you know a, a win to help you in the standings. And courts aside, I've seen the Hornets court. I like it. I also got to see Houston's court. I also got to see Boston's court. And I can just say, wow. I don't know what that's all about, but okay. <laughs> there, those, some, of those, some of the courts are a little bit over the top. But anyway, I get what the NBA is trying to do, and you got to take a swing at something to, to know if it works. Players are going to love it, you know, at least the ones that you know, win the thing because of the extra financial incentive there. So I get it. So you just, you just kind of accept it and you move on. Um, I think bigger than that, uh, while the in-season tournament games you know, count and matter for the tournament, they also count the standings. And – uh, I think that you know the the focus is trying to keep uh, trying to get stack wins and and you know improve your record and put yourself in better position down the road because you know you you and I have been around the game long enough to know that you start looking at games where and I'm not saying this is going to happen tonight but you know if if the Hornets have a 15 point lead with five minutes to go and they end up losing the game that we look back at the end of the year and say well that's one that they should have had. You don't want those. You want to make sure that you get wins, whether it's an in-season tournament game or a non-in-season tournament game. You want to build that record. So um, I, I really want to see what Charlotte can do 
against Miami and, you know, basically lots of things we've talked about with the injuries and everything, how they kind of, I don't want to say limp along, but how they get through this stretch with everybody being so banged up. You know, it comes at a bad time with the in-season tournament, but at the same time, the big picture is still, whether it's a tournament game or not, get wins, improve your record, climb the standings, put yourself in position to make the playoffs at the end of the year. Certainly. And look, I, I don't think the Hornets are going to do anything rash in terms of rushing someone back who's not ready or forcing someone out who uh, isn't isn't good to go in a game just because it's an in-season tournament game. I do think right. there is more value to it than just your average game in November, December because of the in-season tournament. And, and maybe that value is not as big just yet for players and front offices, and it will grow as the games have more magnitude, which if the Hornets win tonight over Miami, Friday against Milwaukee, that'll have a lot of magnitude to it. From your perspective, let's say you're representing the fans, do you view tonight's game as the 3-6 and six Hornets versus a 6-4 and four Miami team, which on paper in an average you know, November, December game, it's glamorous to me because every game is glamorous to me. I get excited for every single game, but right. the average fan, I, I don't expect them to. However, two undefeated teams meeting up at this point of the season, even though it's only 1-0, but they're they're both undefeated. They're both playing for something. That's a different framework. So how are you pitching this game to the fans tuned in on sports night? Is it 6-4 and four versus 3-6, and six, or it's two unbeaten teams meeting in the IST? I think it's two divisional opponents. As well, I mean, there's you know two division members that are going to be going head to head and battling for. There, there's a lot of implications because remember the tournament, the in-season tournament is over long before the playoffs begin. So to me, I, I think, in my opinion, I think you have to keep the, the the eye on the prize in terms of can Charlotte beat a team that's in their division and while being you know shorthanded with some injuries. The in-season tournament thing to me, doesn't resonate as much because it's the first year. I'm not against it. Again, I see why the NBA is trying to make the NBA relevant during football season or the NFL season, but the NBA is always relevant. The NBA has its loyal fans. The NFL has a death grip on basically every sports fan in the country, no matter if you're a baseball person, a basketball person, a hockey person, just about everybody loves football. Um, so I understand why the NBA put, the, put this in place. Um, but again, I think that the Hornets, there are bigger things out there for them. And I think if you, I don't know, I don't think if you focus on just the in-season tournament aspect of it, maybe I'm just, look, maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just a curmudgeon, okay? And it's like this is just, you know, something that's, that's extra and they're trying to drum up interest. I, I'm interested every time one of our teams takes the field, hits the floor, or whatever. I'm interested in what the Hornets do whether it's an in-season tournament game or not. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask in that regard because, like I say, I'm interested that they're playing the Heat and Eric Spolster's team and what they're going to bring to the table and that they've got a better record, but they're off, they're off to a better start. I mean, all those all the things that, are, that, are, that go around with just the actual game itself. The, the tournament aspect of it, it's extra. And, look, if the Hornets are able to pull off the win and go to 2-0 and and make the game with Milwaukee in, in, ter- in terms of the in-season tournament even bigger, hey, I'm here for it. So, um, to me, like I say, I think the tournament portion of it's just a little bit extra. If you're fully bought into the tournament, great. But to me, I want to see Charlotte win, whether it's a tournament game or not. I want to see the Hornets play well and get through this injury stretch as best they possibly can. Uh, and if it comes at the expense of the Heat in the tournament game, then, then so be it. Well, I'm going to choose to look at it as not you maybe not – 
diminishing. I don't think that's the right word here, but uh, yeah. you know, not glorifying the in-season tournament. More of you giving us a third reason to tune in to the game tonight. Uh, one, it's a regular season game, and they're all important. All 82 are. Two, it's an in-season tournament game, and this one really could propel the Hornets to the top of the group and make Friday almost for all the marbles in Group B of the Eastern Conference for the first ever in-season tournament. But third and final, it's a division game and a division opponent and someone you're trying to chase down in the Miami Heat. So I think you've given us a third reason rather than diminish one of the first two. So an important game tonight, Hornets versus Heat. Tickets are available to come see that beautiful in-season tournament court and the Hornets on it for the first time ever. Hornets.com for all your ticket needs. But we'll have our game preview for you coming up next here on our Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber and the sports director for Spectrum News One right here in Charlotte. Mike Salarte here with you on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. In addition to finding him on Spectrum News One nightly, you can find him on social media at Mike Salarte. Mike, it's game preview time. You know how this works from last season. We're going to get a player to watch for the Hornets, a statistic to watch other than points because that's cheating, and a Heat player to watch for tonight's game. You'll pick a category, pick a player or stat, and I will follow your lead ahead of tonight's contest against the Heat. Charlotte 3-6, and six, Heat 6-4, six and four, but in the in-season tournament, they are both 1-0. and oh. Where would you like to begin? Oh, let's start with the Hornets player to watch. Go for it, and, and noting for all the fans tuned in, as of the taping of this podcast, we don't have definitive injury information on a few players. We'll try and leave it vague because we don't want to say anyone is in or out when we really don't know. But of the players we know should be available, who are you looking at specifically tonight? The low-hanging fruit is LaMelo to stay, to, to see if he can continue this really nice run of basketball that he's playing. But I love what the Hornets have done in terms of getting to the paint, the paint touches. That's, it was a big point of emphasis for Steve Clifford going into the season. I want to see Mark Williams continue to just be Mark Williams in the paint. I want to see him continue to do the things. I mean, feeding off a lot, the, or feeding off of Lamelo with the lobs and the high screens and going in and, and cleaning up around the bucket. I love the way he's playing to start the season. They had the thumb issue last year. You know, I know he's still got it wrapped at times. And I, I love the way that he's kind of getting himself back into being what he can be on the floor. So he's the guy I'm looking for against the Heat. I love the pick, and it's an interesting matchup. I think sometimes Mark Williams' numbers have been dictated by what kind of center is on the other side. Um, but he has the ability to dominate any matchup. Bam Adebayo is an extremely talented center. He, he is an all-star. He has been a tremendous player. But compared to Mark Williams, he is a little bit undersized. Bam's got a little bit more range at this stage of the game to his game. He's a fantastic rebounder. But this is one that Mark Williams, I, I think, has a chance to really compete in. And in terms of his ceiling, this is one of the guys that he's trying to catch. If he can become better, quote-unquote, than Bam Adebayo then you're looking at an all-star caliber center, and I think that's the goal uh, Mark Williams should have because he's that kind of talent. So I, I love the pick. I'll be looking closely at Mark Williams and what he is able to do out there on the floor against an all-star on the other side. I'll take the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to take LaMelo Ball. He is just <laughs> off to a, a great start here in the month of November. Uh, if you really close it down to the last four games where his shot has really taken off, he's made at least three threes in each of his last four games. He is averaging 30 points per game in that span, shooting 45% from beyond the arc. He looks absolutely dialed in, and yes, 
fast. The Hornets need a couple of guys to start running alongside him and playing up to his level or at least closer to it. But it all starts on the offensive side of the ball with LaMelo Ball. He's played fantastic basketball. He'll be my player to watch for the Hornets. Where would you like to go next? The stat to watch or a Miami player to watch? Let's go with a Miami player with the loss of a guy like Tyler Hero, uh, who was averaging just under 23 points per night, and you touched on Bam Adebayo when discussing the, you know, the bigs. You know, you, you start thinking about where else do you have to pay attention to the Heat. You think about a guy like Jimmy Butler, and a guy like Jimmy Butler is a dangerous player. I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to go and, and think about the the, the bigs inside and, and follow up with Bam Adebayo. Uh, because that, you know it could be a you know a battle of titans underneath, and as you talked about, Williams is a little bit thicker, uh, is, you know got a little bit more uh, little more size on him. Uh, but I think if you're able to neutralize that Abayo inside, who's a 23 and 10 guy right now, he's a double double guy. If you're able to win that matchup, that certainly does help you uh, win the ball game. So I would I would say Bam Adebayo. I like the pick. Bam is, uh, again, he's an all-star level player, and he's tremendous. I'll take the other kind of base note for the Miami Heat, and I'll take Jimmy Butler. I think that he is, you know, he is one of the most underrated stars in the NBA. Now, he has not gotten off to the the greatest of starts so far this season. His scoring average is a little bit down compared to the last couple years. He's at about 18.5 points per game. He's shooting the three really well, not finishing from inside quite as efficiently, which is surprising because he's not necessarily known as a big-time three-point shooter. Uh, he is more of a guy that gets to the foul line and and makes a lot of mid-range shots. Um, so th- this is an interesting time, I would say, here right now for Jimmy Butler. Um, but certainly he is one of the, the real strengths of that team. And keeping him down is a good recipe to try and have some success against the Heat. So Jimmy Butler, uh, we'll see what kind of base he can provide the other night. Julius Randle, we were going into the preview saying, hey, Randle hasn't played very well just yet. He kind of took off in that game. Jimmy Butler someone to keep an eye on, try and keep that superstar down as much as he can for Miami. Last but not least, we need a stat to watch. Well, I think when it comes to stats and you look at what the Hornets have done so far this season, my biggest concern for the Hornets is not what they do offensively in terms of paint touches and getting to the paint because as we talked about, they've done such a nice job with that. But I, my biggest fear is for Charlotte against Miami is defending the three. That has been, it just seems like defending the three has been uh, one of the things that has, you know, you just see teams filling up, filling up stat sheets on the Hornets and, you know, they're having almost, you know, franchise record setting nights where they're hitting 17 threes or 19 threes or stuff like that. And so being able to defend the three and on the flip side of that, making more threes, you know, I mean, Lamelo has done a great job of that of late. But again, it's one of those that, that to me, with a guy like Terry Rozier out of the lineup, uh, it puts an awful lot of burden on Lamelo to continually hit uh, Hayward to step back and hit more threes. Uh, JT Thor's done a nice job in, in getting threes up and connecting occasionally. But I, you know, I think the three point shot, I think, is the you know three point stats. I guess is the best way to say it in, against Miami is is going to really, I think, dictate how this one goes, because I think that Williams will win the matchup in the low block overall over Adebayo. But if you can't defend the three and hit a couple, you know, hit a couple extra threes on your own, 
that, I think, is where this one goes when they go head-to-head tonight. I like the pick, and I kind of lean in your direction, although one thing to note in the stats, you, you look at Miami, and uh, this season when they've made more threes, they've actually done a little bit worse. Uh, when they oh, make really? 13 or more threes, they're 1-3. and three. When they make fewer than that, they are 5-1. and one. It's a weird stat. It doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> free throws have been more indicative of wins and losses for them. If they make 20 or more free throws, and they're very good at getting to the line, they are unbeaten. They're four and oh if they fail to make 20 free throws in a game they're just two and four so a couple of numbers throw out there at you but for me i'm gonna say the key is to dominate the paint do what you do best charlotte i think is going to continue to bolster its three-point average i think you know the law of averages will eventually work out and as more guys get healthy and return to the lineup that three-point percentage will improve from dead last in the nba miami is fifth so i understand why looking at the three-point line can be of concern but in terms of effective field goal percentage Charlotte and Miami are essentially the same. In fact, Charlotte's actually a little bit better. Uh, Effective field goal percentage is a measure of taking into account both the field goal percentage of a team of any shot on the floor balanced against the value of what that shot is, whether it's for two or for three. And the Hornets are number one in points in the paint, 64 points per game in the paint. Miami is near the bottom. They're 27th, 44 points in the paint. So that's a 20-point difference that Miami has to make up from either the foul line or the three-point line. They haven't been tremendous from three, so that means the foul line is where they have to get it. So if the Hornets can avoid fouling and continue to do what they do best, which is dominate the interior, which I think they have an advantage in because as good as Bam Adebayo is, and he is great, He's not as big as Mark Williams. So if the Hornets do what they're supposed to on the inside and limit the fouling, I think the Hornets have a good chance to win this one. But the first thing they have to do is they've got to dominate the paint. Do what you do best and make Miami make the adjustments. Miami a bit shorthanded, as we mentioned. I know the Hornets are as well, but no Tyler Hero. That'll have an effect. We'll see about Kyle Lowry. He uh, missed the last game for rest. Caleb Martin's been in and out of the uh, availability on the roster for Miami. Uh, so there, there's some certain questions for both teams on the injury side of things. But one thing that's without question is the Hornets have been very good inside the paint. Hopefully that will continue tonight for the Hornets. One other thing I can guarantee for you is no matter how it goes, it'll be covered on Spectrum News 1 and Sports Night with their great sports director, Mike Solarte. Mike, we always appreciate you joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast and look forward to your coverage tonight. Sam, thanks for having me. Anytime, just give me a holler. We'll we'll chop it up, bud. Sounds like a plan to me, and same to you. Anytime you need us uh, to come over and talk Hornets, talk hoops, uh, we would love to do it with you on Spectrum News 1. Mike Solarte, find him again on Spectrum News 1, and you can find him on social media at Mike Solarte. Thanks to him for joining us. Thanks to our producer, Rob Longo, for putting this podcast together. Most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We'll talk to you again next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.